Hello, Hi Rock. Welcome to our daily devotional. We are walking through the Gospel of Luke, and uh, Dave and I are going to do our best today. Uh, I, as you probably can tell, I'm losing my voice, and Dave is feeling kind of sick. So we're going to uh, ask for your prayers as we make it through this. We are in Luke chapter 12, verses 35 through 48, uh, which are a number of teachings that Jesus has and examples about watchfulness, but I think especially watchfulness for those who have responsibilities as leaders. So we are in Luke chapter 12, verses 35 through 48, where we read this. Be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning as though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. Then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth, he himself will seat them, put on an apron and serve them as they sit and eat. He may come in the middle of the night or just before dawn, but whenever he comes, he will reward the servants who are ready. Understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. Peter asked, Lord, is that illustration just for us or for everyone? And the Lord replied, A faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. But what if the servant thinks, My master won't be back for a while, and he begins beating the other servants, partying, and getting drunk? The master will return unannounced and unexpected, and he will cut the servant in pieces and banish him with the unfaithful. And a servant who knows what the master wants, but isn't prepared and doesn't carry out those instructions, will be severely punished. But someone who does not know and then does something wrong will be punished only lightly. When someone has been given, been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The end there is almost like Uncle Ben talking to Peter Parker saying, with great power comes great responsibility. Um, so I, I like this. It starts off with this idea of like, you know, your master's at a wedding feast, you know, what time you get back. I mean, even today, you know, if someone asks me what time I'm getting back from a wedding, sometimes I have no idea. It depends how things go, right? Well, in here is a similar case, but even more so uh, for weddings in their day. So in any case, you just don't know what is uh, going to happen. And so you need to be ready for anything. Um, and then in verse 37, Jesus says, the servants who are ready and waiting will be rewarded. I tell you the truth. He himself, the master, will seat them, put on an apron and serve them as they sit and eat. Now, there are rare instances in uh, uh, literature of antiquity when a master himself would put himself on the same level as his servants, maybe even eating with them. But it's pretty much unheard of and certainly shocking for a master to be serving his servants. But this is a depiction of Jesus as this servant leader. God is the greatest servant of all. And then Peter asks this interesting question. He's like, is this just for us? You know, this illustration and all this teaching, is this just for us? Is this for everyone? Um, you know, in other words, like, you know, we're your disciples who you're kind of putting in charge of things. Are you giving us a special instruction or is this meant for everyone? Jesus doesn't directly answer, but I think he implicitly answers because he begins to illustrate different levels of responsibility. So in a way, I think Jesus is saying this is for everyone, but especially for those 
who have positions of stewardship, authority within the, within the body and, and have to be uh, responsible for what the master wants. Um, verse 44, if they do well, they're going to be put charge, put in charge of even more. So this is kind of a leadership or managing task. But then verse 45, it talks about, well, what about if you're not doing well, if you're an unfaithful leader? Well, you know, the picture of this is someone who abuses the other servants. They think you, you think you're better than them, that they're there for you rather than there for your master. Um, you party, you're using the master's uh, property goods for your own pleasure. This is like, you know, we take the gifts that God has given us and we use them just to please ourselves. Um, or, you know, even gets drunk. You know, you put yourself in a state where you're not even able to do the task your master has given to you. And this, of course, is a direct contrast to the picture of the master that we just saw. We just saw a moment ago where the master will be like a servant serving all those who serve well. Uh, and then verses 47 and 48 thinks, uh, speaks about what I see as another distinction between people with leadership responsibilities and everyone else. Um, says those, you know, a servant who does who does know what the master wants, but isn't prepared and doesn't carry out those instructions, they're going to get a very severe punishment. Whereas someone who's much more ignorant, doesn't really know the master's will, you know, doesn't understand what they're doing, of course, they will be punished only very lightly. So to the one who's much is given, much will be uh, required. And there is a reward from God for doing our jobs well. The problem is when we try to extract that reward from other people rather than waiting to receive that reward from God. The other people are not here to serve us. We are here to, like the master, we are here to serve them so that they can better serve the master. Um, I guess one other thing I would point out here is that uh, this passage is very often used in ordination ceremonies uh, where people are, are being told to remember that the task you're being given is not an honor for your benefit. You're not to extract you know, rewards from the people that you're serving, but instead you serve faithfully, waiting for the master to return. You're waiting for Jesus to return to receive your reward from Jesus. And it reminds me too of James 3.1, where he says, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Uh, and so I, I think it's, you know, shouldn't be a surprise that it's used in ordination ceremonies. But I think this would be a great passage for any of us who have any responsibilities for leading others, whether that's in a classroom, whether that's in business, or even as a parent to recognize that the authority that we've been given is an authority that is entrusted to us. It doesn't belong to us. It's entrusted to us by God. And we will be held accountable for how we use that gift. We, we might be held accountable in the way that we do it well and God will reward us, or we might be held accountable if we use it for our own benefit, where God will God will punish us. It says very clearly here that God will punish us for the ways that we misuse the gifts that we've been given. Uh, Dave, I'm wondering what you see in today's passage. Well, I like what you've said. The, uh, to me, the verse that really sticks out, which I, just, I, I can recognize in so many other interactions, is verse 45, uh, where it says, but what if the servant thinks, my master won't be back for a while. And he begins beating the other servants, partying and getting drunk. And so we, we look at that and go, okay, well, you know, I don't know people who do that exactly. Uh, but but I do think it's very common that people start to think, hmm, I don't, I don't think God's really paying that much attention. I don't think God really cares that much what's going on here. I'm not even sure God sees a little one like me. My life is hardly a big deal. And so I can sort of do what I want. God's not really going to notice. God's not really going to care, right? The, the way that I, I treat my spouse, it's not that big a deal. 
the way that I, you know, kind of use pornography or I use alcohol or whatever, like, it's not that big a deal. And I don't, nobody notices, nobody sees that, you know, it's, it's like my own secret thing. And I think that a lot of us kind of can get that idea. We sort of feel like we're on our own. And, and that's the very thing that Jesus is trying to warn us against saying, no, no, all of these things matter. All of them matter. God is seeing and paying attention to all of it. God cares about all of it. But I think that, in fact, the way this parable is structured can actually even lend itself to that line of thinking. Because if the metaphor is the master's somewhere far away or off busy with a party or, you know, at some wedding feast, whatever, he's busy. He's not here. I really am on my own. Nobody happens to be here. And I just have to clean up my act before, before it gets back. Well, yeah, that's true. Except that this is a... Um, a parable, right? And no parable is intending to tell all of the truth. It's, it's a whole story to try and design to tell one truth. And so that we don't want to then extrapolate, you know, kind of like draw lessons from, from the wrong parts of the parables. What Jesus is trying to say is the way we live matters. That's the right lesson from this parable. The wrong lesson from this parable is God's not paying attention. God's far away. Because I think Either we start to do the, the what the the, uh, the wicked servant did in verse 45, right? Partying and beating others. Uh, or we actually even do wonderful good things for this future world, but we do them for God by ourselves. And as I've said before, I think the real invitation that God has is that we would not do things for God. We would do things with God. In fact, we would join God in the work that he's doing. So we don't do work and ask God to bless it or help us or reward us simply. No, no, we find out what God's doing and we join God in ministry, in service, in extending compassion and, and grace and, and telling truths and all that. We, we join God's ministry. Uh, so I think that's kind of one of the, the things we can miss. The, the last point I want to make um, comes from the very end. Uh, you know, you've referred a few times, John, to when we were in college and the kind of things that, you know, college students... I think they have a, a lot of curiosity uh, and a lot of time. <laughs> That's really you know, to think about this kind of stuff. Um, and so uh, there all kinds of questions that people ask. And one of the questions I actually heard people ask quite sincerely uh, was based on what we see here in, in verses 47 and 48. And the idea is that, okay, it says a servant who knows what his master wants, but isn't prepared and doesn't carry out those instructions will be severely punished. But someone who does not know, and then does something wrong, will only be punished lightly. And so the, the very sincere question was, well, maybe we just shouldn't tell other people that much, right? And because by what we're doing is we're making them more culpable. I said, yeah, that's that's a part of the truth. We, we are more culpable. But once we understand, it, it, yes, we're, we are more uh, liable to, to mess up, right? And, and if we know what's right and we don't do it, but what we can't, if we don't know, we can't please God either, right? And that that actually is what I think we're really missing is that that chances by understanding who God is and what God is doing and what God wants and what, what the, the values and priorities that God has, right? The What God's passions are like. Once we know those things, now we can join God easily and not only experience the reward later in the future, we actually experience the reward right now of experiencing walking with God, of being a part of what God is doing. And so I, I think that it, it is true that people who knew very little 
will, will not be as responsible for much, but they are going to miss out on so many opportunities to join God in doing things that really matter here and making the most of their lives. And that's why I think I want to win people or I want to tell people who God is. I want to invite them into greater engagement because eternal life isn't something that's supposed to begin as sort of this prize after we die. We keep talking about this. And eternal life starts now, right? We start living this way now and it never ends. It just keeps growing and growing and growing. This relationship with God, this partnership with God, this intimacy with God, we can do it now. And I think that actually is the real spirit of this. It's not do these things on your own and hope you get lucky that when he, you know, you're doing it when he catches you, when he comes back. No, 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 no. The point is start living this way now, even when you don't see God, because God sees you. God is watching. God cares. So please, God, live a life to please God, knowing that God actually cares about all of it now. Amen to that. Um, Dave, I really echo with that. And, uh, you know, even with that college question, I think about how uh, one person, the way they put it to me was maybe part of the problem is we seek too much awareness without enough action. In other words, we keep trying to learn what God wants without ever putting it into practice. And so we're just heaping up more and more of this responsibility for something we're never doing. And instead, maybe we should focus on uh, what we do know, putting it into action, living that out so that we're ready when we do learn something new, that we can become responsible with that as well, rather than continually just adding more and more knowledge that we're just never going to use and it's, it's just uh, going nowhere. And so knowledge and awareness, great things, but but only if it leads to a change, if it leads to real action in our lives. Amen. Well, let me pray for us. Lord, we want to join you in doing things that give you joy in doing things that allow your joy to be spread throughout all of your creation. And we want to participate in your work of reconciling the world to you, of, of helping the hurting, of healing the sick, of, of reuniting those who have been alienated. God, I pray that we would be the ones who do know your will and then do it with great light. God, we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, everyone, thank you for joining us. And uh, if you were praying for us to make it through to the end of this, thank you as well, because I can feel myself losing my voice even more. But go in peace and we'll hopefully join you tomorrow. <laughs>